0: Betches Media presents
1: if you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused you know what welcome to the club
2: Gaspacho police oh my god what a
1: stupid son of me.
2: he believes that it's a
3: woman's right it's a woman's body and it's her choice the
0: Betches SUP podcast
3: Dayanora, Hello I'm Amanda Duberman I'm Sammy Sage and this is the Batch Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Once again, not a lot of laughing today.
2: No, this was um, this is not the best way to start the week. Shall we get into it?
3: Uh, yeah, I, I don't even know like how you even start after what happened over the weekend. I mean, I'm sure. Everybody saw, and I did hear from a number of listeners in Buffalo who reached out and just, it's very important to that community that people know and communicate that this person was not from there. Like they really were, a lot of people shared that like this is a city of good neighbors and they really pride themselves on that. And the fact that that was like, that somebody came in from somewhere else and inflicted this tragedy upon the whole community is is especially painful.
2: I think that's a good place to start. Um, A, because it speaks to, you know, the community itself, which they're the people who this was, you know, obviously inflicted on the most closely. But also it alludes to the planning nature of this, which is so key to understanding what went on here, because, I mean, we've had conversations about a number of these shootings terrorist attacks however you would like to to phrase it and they always sort of have a unique element to them and what i think is unique about this one is the a clarity with which it was a racist shooting mm-hmm. and that you know the shooter's ideology and how he very you know there there's no room for debate on over what it was which is helpful um, in guiding the conversation, and then in terms of seeing how clear, how uh, meticulously planned this was, and and then you see how it was ultimately preventable because this person had been on the radar already. So let's get into the facts. So confused about?
3: Yeah, let's get into the facts, and then we'll obviously broaden out to the replacement theory of it all and where this came from and why like how prevalent it is among the people that that are exposed to it so an 18 year old white man drove as we said 200 miles to buffalo to massacre people in a primarily black neighborhood 13 people were shot and 10 died and 11 of the people shot at tops friendly market store on saturday were black the murderer wrote a 180 page manifesto that cites replacement theory or the idea that it's a it's a big idea, but broadly that white America is being strategically replaced by immigrants. He describes himself straight up as a fascist, a white supremacist, and an anti-Semite. The suspect had previously been involuntarily detained in a mental institution, mental health institution, after making a violent f- threat. And he had been visited by state police after, like I think it was a a school project on murder suicide. So twice he was the law enforcement interacted with him because he was cause for concern. I am not sure. I mean, I, it, it, after that, he was legally able to fur- purchase a firearm. So I don't know if these did not result in a proper flag or they didn't need to. But he was able to get a gun after this happened. And he also had a gun that was gifted to him by his dad. The planning element is super important here. And the U.S. Department of Justice is investigating the shooting as at least a hate crime and an act of racially motivated violent extremism, according to Merrick Garland. Just chilling, completely
2: chilling again, like this, this is uniquely sort of the poster shooting for mm, mm. all, it, it seems like a, a strong convergence of issues because it's like, okay, so you do, you have the, you know, the ideological piece, um, which makes it just sort of inherently so American. Um, and you have the, the fact that he had all the mental health red flags. So the idea that's like, oh, this is a mental health problem. Like, okay, so it was a mental health problem. You n- knew that, nothing was done mm-hmm. about it. Then you have the gun control, you know, the gun control piece. It he was, was able assault to purchase weapon. a gun. Right. He it was an assault weapon. He was able to purchase it despite having these past um things on his record. And it's yeah, like at what at what point are you just like Something could have been done about this, and it's our fault that it wasn't. Also, this is in New York. So it's not like this is in, you know, deep Texas with the most lax gun laws. This is in one of the most strict gun safety states.
3: I think he did have on him a magazine that is outlawed in New York State that he was not supposed to have, which I guess just speaks to like you know having a patchwork of state gun laws. It's like well, people can cross, they can cross state lines. That nobody's like you don't go through TSA to get from one state to another.
2: That's a magazine. That's not you know the main the main thing that he used. And he, you know, okay, so he he, yeah. he did one illegal thing on top of his you know many on top of all of these things. So ultimately, like there's, I don't really understand how anyone can say, you know, there shouldn't be a reaction to this in terms of policy.
3: Right. I mean, we, we have to talk about the reaction in terms of like the rhetoric, but also I, I just can't imagine that any, I guess this, like this is what gun advocates want is they think it is it is perfectly okay and acceptable and important to all of our rights that an 18 year old, who has repeatedly been had have, has had state interactions because of his mental health issues because he's posed danger is able to purchase an automatic rifle that is a system that sounds healthy that works for them. I don't like that. I do not like that. And a lot of people were pointing I mean Shannon Watts pointed out yesterday that like when this happened in New Zealand immediately they're like this not again. This has happened in other countries where it is immediately unacceptable but like this could happen again tomorrow and it could happen much worse. Well, as we know, America is the exception, so. Of course, of course. Yeah, if we weren't going to act after Sandy Hook, then I don't know why we would now. But this sort of brought into really sharp relief the impact of Great Replacement Theory. I'll give some background. It originated with a racist senator from Mississippi named Theodore Bilbo, who held office from 1935 to
2: 1947.
3: He hated Famously Jews. brutal Famous. years. <laughs> Like the next sentence says like he hated Jews, but it's like, I mean, did you did you read the first part? He hated Jews and he really feared intermarriage among black people and white people. He was very concerned that like he seemed to be okay with them being separate, but not all of everybody coming together and producing what he called a a yellow race, which which I I guess to him just meant non-white. He basically wrote a book about how the elimination of the Caucasian race would ruin society. The country would have to choose between a white America or a, he said, mongrel America. And the the, the crazy thing is that these ideas, they were accepted in some parts and by some people, but the, not a lot of people. The Senate did try to remove him several times before he died in 1947. These were not like accepted ideas like it's So it's kind of crazy they are now. But his ideas have resurfaced a few times. Most recently in 2012, when a French nationalist wrote a book called The Great Replacement and argued against the replacement of white civilization by migrants from the global South. He used terms like reverse colonialization and extinction level events. It's kind of this brand of white nationalist hate that the American white supremacists have picked up on. They were shouting, you will not replace us and Jews will not replace us at Charlottesville. So I'm not sure where the like... Cur- their current concern about migration from Central America and and them hating Jews. I'm not sure where those converge. I guess it's just why not?
2: No, I think it just converges in sort of like a pure anything other than pure, pure blood sort of vibe. You know, we learned this in Harry Potter famously. Yeah, th- th- that has been sort of a topic of discussion in a lot of um, of these uh, ideologies. You know, like in the Holocaust, it was do you have. Any p- part of you have Jewish blood. Mm-hmm. I mean, in in terms of slavery, wasn't there like a one drop theory like where Definitely. even the small I mean, ultimately, that is what it is. It, it's the it's a desire to create a racial purity that motivates this.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just seems like in 2022, your Shadow Jews will not replace us it's
2: timeless you know yeah that's some true things, that's true some some things, things never go
3: out of style amanda <laughs> yeah
2: yeah some silhouettes uh, never go out
3: i mean sammy you know you're that bitch when you cause all this conversation so if they want to keep talking to you. <laughs> oh god <laughs> Tucker Carlson has obviously played a big role in, in mainstreaming of some of these ideas. He's pushed a narrative that Joe Biden and Democrats stole the 2020 election and they'll do it again by welcoming swells of immigrants who can vote in the 2022 midrooms coming up. They've really ramped this up recently. He has called this replacement theory, quote, true and what has actually happened. So we're gonna play uh, a longer clip than we would normally play. It's about a minute and a half for the listeners that are from his show on April 8th, 2021. And this is definitely kind of like the longest, most directly he's he's really got at it and I think really characterizes kind of how his audience hears this.
1: I'm laughing because this is one of about ten stories that I know you've covered um, where the government shows preference to people who have shown absolute contempt for our customs, our laws, Mm. our system itself and they're being treated better than American citizens. Now, I know that the left and all the little gatekeepers on Twitter become literally hysterical if you use the term replacement, if you suggest that the Democratic Party is trying to replace the current electorate, the voters now casting ballots, with new people, more obedient voters from the third world. But they become hysterical because that's, that's what's happening, actually. Let's just say it, that's mm. true. If if look if this was happening in your house, if you were in sixth grade, for example, and without telling you, your, kid, your parents adopted a bunch of new siblings and gave them brand new bikes and let them stay up later and help them with their homework and gave them twice the allowance that they gave you, you would say to your siblings, you know, I think we're being replaced by, by kids that our parents love more. And it'd be kind of hard to argue against you because look at the evidence. So this matters on a bunch of different levels, but on the most basic level, it's a voting rights question. In a democracy, one person equals one vote. If you change the population, you dilute the political power of the people who live there. So every time they import a new voter, I become disenfranchised as a Mm. current voter. So I don't Mm. understand why we don't understand this. I mean, everyone wants to make a racial issue out of it. Ooh, the, you know, white replacement theory. No, no, no. This is a voting rights question. I have less political power because they're importing a brand new electorate. Why should I sit back and take that? The power that I have as an American guaranteed at birth is one man, one vote. And they're diluting it. No, they're not allowed to do that. Why are we putting up with this? So, yeah, that's wild. We were talking about this before.
3: And you said you felt this is very effective, like for his his people. And I was confused about it because it's like he keeps saying one person, one vote. They're going to dilute our vote. But that's not how math works. But I guess it doesn't
2: matter. Okay, so my first my first comment is about this this issue. I don't love the amount of people who are going to probably be Googling replacement theory and then watching this clip that we just that we just showed.
3: So because you think they're going to be like, oh, really?
2: Yes, I do think that. I mean, you also sent me, this comes right after you sent me Mm -hmm. another article that was a poll poll. that was like one in three, right? We'll get to this, but this kind of colored my then viewing of the Tucker Carlson clip that Mm -hmm. one in three Americans, which is one third, 33%, not that, not as wild when you say, as when you say one in three, people think that immigrants are going to affect the election affect American elections. And they're implying in a negative way. So you have the Fox viewer who's coming at this from already a place of fear. And then you have Tucker Carlson doing a lot of verbal magic to sort of obscure what will what actually happens when you add new voters to the electorate. Right. In a system that already heavily favors the minority and continues to whatever. I think Tucker Carlson, there's a reason that he's their number one host. And he is very good at doing this sort of like verbal magic and... And I think like making it a very emotion-based question, like if you're a child and your parents adopted, you're literally reaching, he's reaching to people's like fears of abandonment, which let's be honest, you're already looking at a sample of the Fox News viewer. who's probably very responsive to that already. Mm -hmm. So you're taking a person who already has this viewpoint, you're entrenching it by using like the deepest, most painful fear that a human could theoretically have and then you're somehow overlaying like false electoral math onto that, like, yeah, I think he's very rhetorically effective. That's, mm-hmm. you know, and if you aren't like, you have to think about the audience and their existing thoughts.
3: Yeah, and I mean, I think like, how did how did we all feel after this weekend? How do we all feel a lot of the time? We feel a little bit, we feel scared and on edge and like uncertain of the future. And some of us, our, I don't know, like, what our natural orientation is. I don't know where I would go if all I ever did is watch Fox News. But, yeah, I mean, to, I pick, think you to pick do. Up. I mean, I think these people are dumber than I generally give them credit, credit for, because this is like, really, you're saying like, imagine your parents get a bunch of immigrant children. Wouldn't you be sad? I was like, this is the level of the rhetoric. This is the level of the discourse on Fox News.
2: I mean, yeah, you've you've watched. This is why I don't this is why I don't watch Fox, because I ultimately end up like analyzing it as if it's. Yeah like, a a piece on a a persuasive essay. Yeah, 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 I know. (laughs) It is. And, yeah, which it is. Um, It's, I think you know, think about how you interpret the news and your sort of, think about yourself as a counterbalance to Fox. Like, my, I mean, for myself, my reaction is always going to sort of be, like, the opposite reaction of what they have. So just think about what their audience's reaction is. It's really not, you know... He's an entertainer. He's also mm-hmm. like there's also you have to realize like not I don't think Tucker Carlson feels like he has some sort of like truth or whatever.
3: So he has been the main part of, of, of mainstreaming this. But there's been I mean, I feel like it's been really amplified since the 2020 election, because what I feel like they are doing is kind of. They're, they're, like you said the minority and and by that we mean the minority political part like republicans do yeah. not have popular political ideas it seems to me like they're kind of like priming they're they're priming how they're going to lose again and they want their people to think it's because of all of these quote illegal immigrants whenever i say that i'm i'm quoting them Because they're not going to win. They can't win. Their ideas are not popular. We talk about the polling all of the time. So now, like all over the place, their ads are like Joe Biden's going to bring in 11 million immigrants. It's like it sounds to me like you're just guessing how much you're going to lose by so that you can prime people. And and those are sort of like those are the political consultants that are writing those ads. And then you have the people that are taking it and hearing it and seeing on their Facebook and driving 200 miles to go massacre people. Like, oh,
2: they don't ultimately care about like how this affects the micro person. They're just thinking like we got to win. This is our strategy. These are our talking points. And I think you're I actually I think you're I think it is very astute that you tied it to the, you know, po- ultimate political messaging of they think they're going to lose by this this amount. And ultimately, you saw that's, you know, what Trump Mm -hmm. Was was doing in 2016 and now it's just like even more extreme where they're like we're going to lose because it's illegitimate from the beginning and that what can you what can you even do when that's what the other side
3: is is saying so yeah so what do we do? I mean, because it, is it a matter of just getting Fox News off the air of of starving them as advert? I mean, I don't even know how they have anybody run an, a single ad on their show, which makes me feel even more hopeless because like they've been at this for so long because I saw a lot of blaming of Fox News, but then I saw some other, you know, like, thinkers I was watching, like Wesley Lovry, for example, was like, don't think it's not just Fox News. That isn't the answer. This is, I think, I can't remember if we're talking about on the podcast or before the podcast. Like people are just, they have a fear in them that they are also looking for something to to soothe. And let's get back to that poll. So according to a poll in the Associated Press last month, as Sammy said, one in three Americans believes an effort is underway to replace U.S.-born Americans with immigrants for electoral gains. Now that number goes up to 36% of those polls who say they were Republicans, 36% of Republicans. More specifically, because the poll questions vary slightly, but importantly, 17% believe that both native born Americans are losing influence because of the growing population of immigrants and that a group of people in this country are trying to replace native born Americans with immigrants. So it's like, we're losing all of our influence and somebody's doing that strategically, which brings us to the end, which is that three in 10 worry, worry that more immigration is causing US born Americans to lose their economic, political and cultural influence. Which this is what I was saying to you before. And like, this is very serious and scary, but I just imagine it's like they call Carol from Minnesota. And she's like, I'm losing my cultural influence. It's like, what is your cultural influence? you like, you do not have cultural influence. <laughs> well, here what we go. This is, why,
2: this is why people think that people say the whole coastal cultural elite, yeah. whatever.
3: I don't contribute to the culture either. To be clear as a U.S. born white, I am not doing anything for the culture. I, I'm not worried. I, you're not what is what does that
2: even mean? Like what is the culture? Ever, whatever. This is such a stupid question, ultimately, when I you know. kind of dissect it. Like what is what is your economic, political, and cultural influence? Like we're all like
3: ants on a fucking rock. You know? These are just a bunch of different ways to ask, like, you a little bit racist, you a little bit are racist. They Carol? That,
2: are they mad that Beyonce has more cultural influence? Is that what this is about? Like but she was
3: born here. <laughs>
2: It's not about that. It's like in their minds, it's like, okay. Also immigrants. I thought that our whole thing was like, we're a melting pot. We love being all different and we assimilate and everyone just is together. Like I thought that was right. The whole That's vibe the here these are
3: definitely also the people that lose their shit on st patrick's day and who love to tell their own like immigration stories in the 18 and 1900s but now right. now because chuckle carlson Door's is telling closed. you that you're that your that your economic influence is going to be threatened <laughs>
4: of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homeshef.com/feverdream. That's homeshef.com/feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. homeshef.com/feverdream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
0: When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. But that brings us kind of to like, what
3: do we do? I mean, it's not just Fox News because I do think that, there was a world 10 years ago, maybe longer, where Republicans were all speaking out against this and saying Tucker Carlson needs to come off the air, or am I naive? Have they been kind of turned for too long?
2: I don't really for some reason I'm not that's escaping me, but there definitely were times when like advertisers would pull from these shows. Yeah. I just advertisers. don't advertisers. Advertisers. Um I just don't ah uh, okay, what can we do? Like, ultimately, at this point, sort of, Fox is a Pandora's box that's been opened. Like, they're not going anywhere. That's just sort of, it's just sort of an asymmetry that we now have to deal with. But also, like you were saying, like, Fox is successful because they appeal to a certain piece of human nature, which is like the most primitive, fear-based piece of human, of the human condition, which again, Tucker demonstrated when he fucking analogized like your vote to your parents adopting children and abandoning you (laughs) like (laughs) come on like think about what that really does and there's and if it's not on Fox News then it's the
3: Facebook algorithm then it's 8chan then it's YouTube I mean if you when I look for these clips in YouTube for our show, something about the YouTube algorithm has got to change because it will surface. I mean, I guess it surfaces the ones that either have the most views or that are, that are SEO the most, that are usually designed to get you to believe it, that are maybe even cut up even more persuasively. And people who just want to like, maybe like you were saying, maybe just want to figure out what did Tucker Carlson say? Who is, why are people saying that he caused this shooting? And then they're like, you know what? I also feel abandoned by daddy Joe Biden. You know, like something needs to change in how this information kind of surfaces. Let's talk about Facebook ads too. I mean, somebody that also was a huge disappointment Always as New York representative Elise Stefanik, who like, I think she's always been a Republican. I don't know. Maybe she was a conservative Democrat, but she's been playing into kind of these narratives all week, especially with the formula shortage. She's been elevating the false claim that the Biden administration was prioritizing children and immigrant detention for formula. The number three House Republican has also run Facebook ads. She did this in September with language that really mirrors like replacement theory about Democrats bringing 11 million illegal immigrants into the U.S. to vote for them in elections. And just she used to not be like this. She used to support legal status for farm workers. And after the massacre on over the weekend, she focused her statement on supporting the police. She was like, this is a reminder why we need to support police. I mean, one of the security guard who was killed was a former police officer, but I don't even think that's like really who she was talking about.
2: This is where i'm like do the republicans just look when something happens they just like put a word search in front of their brains and it's like whatever so you see first that is the extraneous issue that you're gonna make this about they play mash right like how did this become uh,
3: yeah about the formula and the immigrants like she yeah, what does she love so much about Trump? She's just like obsessed with Trump and wants to be up Trump's ass. And now she's like a complete monster. I think she's an opportunist. That's my take on her. I think she's yeah. She wants to be Speaker of the House or or the first woman president, probably, which she could be. President Stefanik yeah. just rolls Ugh. off the tongue. Oh no. Oh no. Is she Jewish? No. Would she be our first Jewish president? I, don't I can is. Google that. I don't. Oof. I mean, you can't tell because she didn't say anything about the anti-Semitism yesterday.
2: Oh well then she probably would have been why don't we Google? Is Elise Stefanik Jewish? It doesn't appear that she is Jewish, but it doesn't appear that she is not Jewish.
3: She's not like an evangelical. She's not <laughs> yeah. on that side. Yeah, I will confirm. We'll we'll confirm later. Okay. I mean this like you said, this shooting just had like all the intersections of the worst case scenario and I feel like nothing's gonna change. Like they're not gonna do anything about the guns. They're not gonna do anything about Fox News. And as I was even saying this, like I, I don't know if I even wanna keep saying the words replacement theory because isn't that how critical race theory became like a thing that we're all taught? It's like, it's so it's so tricky, right? Like it's so tricky. How much do we talk about these really dangerous things and talk about the lies they're telling without without accidentally giving them more converts and sending more people into their arms? And I know our audience is not, you know, like the people listening, not not talking about the people listening to this podcast. It's more just like on social media and in general and as CNN talks about it more and then suddenly everybody's talking about replacement theory and then people feel like they have to go and defend it or some people feel like they don't. And it's like, I hate this. Yeah, no, that's exactly what, why it is extra upsetting
2: that this will now get like extra airtime beyond what it has
3: and. Yeah, the anytime you hear a theory run in the other direction, it's gonna be like, oh, did they denounce it? Should they denounce it? Here's an argument for why you shouldn't denounce it. And then we're just caught in this like dystopian, terrible loop.
2: That's okay. When you ask like, what can Democrats do? I feel like that's the that's where we have the power to like stop some sort of loop. But I don't know how I don't know how you do that. Like there's not Mm -hmm. enough. um, And this is a good thing. There's not like a uniform approach amongst, I would say, like the quote unquote mainstream liberal media. Everyone kind of, you know, not every journalist. I watch MSNBC for several hours and while they talk about many of the same topics all day, they all kind of do different things about it Mm
3: -hmm. a lot.
2: So every journalist takes their own approach. Every well, as
3: we were, as we were saying, like we were talking about this earlier, talking about the specific like Tucker Carlson clip and like he's lying when he's like, Isn't it supposed to be one person, one vote? And it's like, well, yes. And if that doesn't get diluted, the more people you have. And so it's like, they get praised a lot for their like political genius. But to me, I'm not willing to lie. And our base isn't, I don't know, like I'll see, like we were talking about fear. So I've seen a lot of, there's obviously been so much more abortion content recently. And I will see really sort of desperate content that that is projecting things that are not accurate or necessary like stockpile plan B or um, I've heard that they're going to start coming to your house and like do this and it's like it has the urgency and the desperation and I'll see it has millions of views on TikTok but it's not true and it's not helpful so it's like I don't know how we compete with them and I don't know how we bring our infotainment to their level when we're not willing to like fictionalize.
2: Yeah, I mean, people are doing that, and it's not necessarily helping. So I, I don't know. I wouldn't say like we need to do that. I think it's scary enough to use the the accurate, accurate things. Yeah, that's what you know? I thought. Yeah, true. I think we're good. I think we're good on scary shit. Yeah, you know, accurate. <laughs> true, that's accurate. We we're we're covered. So I don't think you need to like lie necessarily. I, I don't know. I think over. I think like a rising tide of engagement amongst. Mm-hmm. Everybody is what's really required because not if you have hyper engaged people and then like a bunch of apathetic people, those hyper engaged people cannot cover all the bases that just a more evenly just evenly distributed population of engaged people can do. Because, like, we don't need one person to go to, like, seven rallies and, like, 85 volunteer jobs and, like, scream on their social media all the time. Like, that doesn't really do anything. It's Mm -hmm. about each person needs to have small levels of engagement or, or like, big levels of engagement, but, like, at least small levels of engagement. So... I think like
3: making caring about politics cool is kind of like an important thing. I mean, yeah, they have somebody that watches an hour of Fox News a night and never misses an election. That's all we need from more people on our side or who, who or people they don't that even are, need to watch an hour. Yeah. No, definitely not. Just look at the Betches up Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll get it all there. Or exactly. The morning announcements. Exactly. Five minutes in the morning, 10 minutes of scrolling at night and you will and be engaged. enraged without a single lie. Yeah, exactly right, right, right. Like you
2: don't need to lie. It's really yeah, unnecessary. On that note,
3: there are a bunch of Democratic primaries tomorrow. Um, most of them are closed. I think in Idaho, the you can go register as a Republican tomorrow and vote if you are extremely alarmed by any of their candidates. I mean, look into it. We got to do anything we can. But lots of primaries tomorrow and a bunch next week. Pennsylvania is definitely definitely key. So we'll be updating you on that. That is our show for today. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman,
2: Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.